It is a crowded MVP race. We're going through all the awards on today's episode of Renner Ranks. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into today's episode of Runner Ranks, your go-to ranks podcast, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. Thank you to all the everydayers out there for making Runner Ranks your first listen of the day. And if, don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. I am obviously the host, Mike Renner, NFL Draft Analyst for The Messenger at Mike Renner underscore on social media. As you can see there on your screen, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And set off top, today we're going through the mid-season awards. The real ones. Not the next-gen stats moment of the year. The Bud Light Selly of the year. Or the head and shoulders never not working protection play of the year. Which, my God, NFL. Sell out harder. With some of the names of those awards, will you please imagine getting the head and shoulders? I can only imagine it's like a thing of shampoo that you get. I think George Kittle won last year. We're not going to go through any of those. We're going to do MVP, O'Roy, O'Poy, Depoy, D-Roy, Coy, Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year. We're going to do those ones, the big ones, the meaningful ones. So let's get right to MVP then. Where my lord, I going through watching some tape going through the stats, seeing these guys. I have no clue. This is the hardest award of any of these to come to a consensus on for myself. How I ended up ranking them in terms of candidates. I went two at three. Now, Tua leads the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. But I think if anyone's being honest with themselves, he probably hasn't played quarterback at the highest level of anyone in the NFL this season. It's been exceptional. I, I've I've been one of Tua's biggest defenders ever since, you know, year two when he finally got playing time, and people were hating on him. I, I think he plays the quarterback position in a weird manner, and does not have the tools that someone traditionally thinks of as a franchise quarterback. But I think for that offense and what he does, he runs it better than a lot of you know quote unquote guys who are certified franchise quarterbacks would run that offense. I fully believe that he is better than some guys who get a lot more credit for what they do on Sundays. But still, I mean, you can't watch the end of that Chiefs game and say that guy was the MVP. That throw he had to Cedric Wilson on like the go route on the play before the play, I think it was the third down, that he just like threw a Frisbee. I don't know. I can't give him the MVP after that. He still could ultimately win it when it's all said and done. Obviously, very good season for him. But I went him three. I went Lamar number two. And anyway, Patrick Mahomes at number one. And Mahomes now third in yards, fourth in touchdowns. Lamar, 71.5 completion percentage, only three picks, been very efficient through the air, but he has six lost fumbles, leads the NFL. Obviously a massive factor in their running game as well, leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards this season. But Mahomes, I, I, I do think that, yes, their defense is getting a lot of credit for their wins. They are, I've said before, a defensive team now. But with what he's working with at the receiver position to still put up the numbers that he has, like he has had to fight and claw for everything that he's gotten in that offense. We've talked about the receivers a bunch. The second worst contested catch rate behind only the Green Bay Packers who are disastrous at the receiver position right now. 
Uh, really no one making plays outside of Travis Kelsey in that offense, sadly. They just don't have talent. I mean, it's probably a bottom three receiving core. And now, obviously, Travis Kelsey changes kind of the calculus of that. But a tight end can only do so much, especially one who's, you know, Travis Kelsey was at one point a downfield threat, no longer remains a downfield threat. He has lost a good step. Still great separation on, like, the underneath stuff. But he is not the guy that's stretching the field. They really don't have a guy that you want stretch the field. Marcos Valles Scantling's trying to be that guy. He's really not great at it, though. So I think when you factor that all in, I went Mahomes, but again, it's such a like even, even guys who aren't on this list. So the MVP odds right now via FanDuel has Mahomes at plus 240, Jalen Hurts at plus 320, which that one blows my mind. Like Jalen Hurts didn't even, he wouldn't even crack my top five here, but he's second in MVP odds. Lamar plus 500. Tua plus 650, Burrow at plus 900, Josh Allen at plus 1400, and Trevor Lawrence at plus 1900. Those are all the only guys, seven guys with 20 to one or better odds to win the MVP. So that's kind of the race right now. Josh Allen leads in total EPA this season, but you can't watch his up and down play and some of the bad games he's had and be like, yeah, that's an MVP. I mean, like similar to like Tua, where it's like, man, you see the bad in this game and you're like, is that really the MVP? But Josh Allen, all the turnover he plays and all the actual turnovers he's had, Hard to really go to bat for him. But I do think that these odds need to be a lot tighter <laughs> over the second half of the season. The spread is not that big, in my eyes, between a guy like Mahomes at plus 240 and Josh Allen at plus 1400. He catches fire over the second half of the season. He could win the MVP very easily. Joe Burrow could very, if he plays the way he has since the bye week, Joe Burrow, I mean, that guy's going to win MVP if that's the guy we see the rest of the season. So that one's, like I said, this is the one award where I tried to rank it. Those were what I came to kind of my conclusion with. But my Lord, we have another half of the season, thank God, for me to decide on who's actually the MVP here. Offensive Rookie of the Year. No need to bury the lead here. C.J. Stroud comes in at number one in these rankings. Surprise, surprise. His on-pace stats, because he's only played eight games, so he's not even fully halfway through his rookie season. On pace for 4,800 yards, 30 touchdowns, and two picks. That is insanity. That is absurd. That's that would be. I mean, it would be statistically at minimum the greatest rookie season ever at the quarterback position. And like not even close. Now, does he get to that? I, be, I mean, I'm guessing he's going to throw some more picks. He's tried to throw some more picks and hasn't gotten them caught by defenders. But so he will at some point have probably more than finished season with more than two interceptions. But my gosh, I don't think the yardage total is slowing down. Touchdown total either. This offense is built for speed. Uh, big fan of his ways done run away for the award right now. Puka Nakua, I have at number two and it's just, you know, he's been exceptional fourth in receiving yards in the NFL. But I think the nature of the quarterback position in the rookie of the year award, if a guy balls out like CJ Stroud does, you're giving it to him. You know, I don't care. Puka Nakua is going to go for like 1400 yards this season. Very well, very easily could very easily could break Justin Jefferson's rookie receiving record. And I still don't think he'd win the award over CJ Stroud. But obviously, fantastic season for him. Number three after those two was a little more difficult. I think I, you know, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, Tank Dell, even very impressed with they done. I still think Bijan, five yards per carry, five hundred seventeen rushing yards on pace for over a thousand rushing yards, on pace for over four hundred receiving yards. I'd still lean him. I, I think he's third on this list. Now, will he ever get more than like twelve touches in a game? Maybe not. <laughs> you know, maybe. Not in the Arthur Smith era, but probably not worth the eighth overall pick. What he's 
putting up, but still worthy of consideration for offensive rookie of the year, or at least consideration in these rankings. No one's confusing him for offensive rookie of the year right now. All right, on to offensive player of the year here to round out the offensive awards. My top three went like this. I'm going Christian McCaffrey at number three. League's leading receiver, or excuse me, league's leading rusher right now and the leading receiver among running backs. Hard to do much better at the running back position. But we have two receivers right now going absolutely off to where if you're going anywhere else for this award, I think you're just wrong. A.J. Brown, already over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. He comes in second, though, because Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,030 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. And now he's had some bouts with drops. And if he didn't have those drops, we would be talking about one of the most absurd. I mean, he would be well over 1,100 yards right now. He has six drops in the season. But 1,075 receiving yards, eight touchdowns through nine games. Even for a 16-game schedule, he'd be on pace for an absurd Absurd season. 17 games would be very surprised if, you know, if he stays healthy the rest of the season, if he does not break the receiving record. That's just the level he's playing at right now. And that's the level he's been playing at for pretty much his entire career. But the way the Dolphins can get the ball in his hands and take pressure off him with the guy in Jalen Waddle that just, you want to double Tyreek? Well, you can't carry Waddle then one on one with a deep ball. So that's just the nature of that Dolphins offense. But man, the season that Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown are having are outlandish. Gosh, those guys take I, I had this take the other day about AJ Brown is that I think he's the most universally liked player in the NFL right now. Just in terms of no one dislikes AJ Brown. Like even Titans fans love the guy. They just regret that John Robinson traded him. He's got the sick aesthetic um, with the visor and the fact that he's just absolutely superman in that jersey the play style is pure football right it's like throwback to what receivers look like in the 90s where he's just bigger stronger than everyone he's going against i mean it is difficult not to watch his game and be like this dude's sick watch him and then just like off the field he's like a likable ass guy doesn't really say dumb stuff jokes around always smiling I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more likable guy in the NFL right now or a more universally-like guy in the NFL right now than A.J. Brown. I think he might be. Get to the defensive awards here in just a second, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the largest DFS platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of betting, battling thousands of other players including pros and sharks you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in prize picks is really simple to play you can make your picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds there are quick withdrawals easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one dfs fantasy sports app Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, defense side of the ball. Start with defensive player of the year. We're going, this one is contested, man. And it's all along the line of scrimmage. There, there's no corner really having that year 
linebacker having that year that puts him in this mix, in my opinion. It's all there's there are three guys though along the defensive line of scrimmage that I think are just playing out of their minds. And they're all like different types of players. So I ranked at this. I went Miles Garrett number three. And now for my money, he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. For what should be everyone's money. He's the best pass rusher in the NFL. But he is nowhere near the best run defender in the NFL. Quite frankly, he's not like he's not an impact player against the run. He does not have that kind of honestly, it's like he, he's he's he doesn't have the same ferocity when he plays the run versus when he does rush the passer. No shame in that. Not everyone's going to. That's why he got so dinged coming out. Do you remember when Lou Riddick coming out of the draft process said he'd rather have Bradley Chubb? Thought Miles Garrett was kind of soft, said he'd rather have that kind of defensive end. It's because of the run defense. It's because he kind of took plays off in the run. Still does. But 10 sacks, seven hits, and you know, far and away the best pass rushing grade per PFF in the NFL, if you believe in that sort of thing. Have him at number three. Number two, Dexter Lawrence. And I honestly felt bad not putting him number one. But it's like the Giants right now, he's the only thing you got going for him. It's really hard. I mean, actually, the guy who put it number one is the only thing they got going for him, too. But I don't think that should factor in how the rest of your roster is. I truly don't. It should just be your play stands on its own. And Dexter Lawrence has single-handedly been carrying this Giants defense, honestly, since the start of last season. He has 44 pressures, leads all defensive tackles. Aaron Donald is the only one within 10 pressures of him. Aaron Donald is 40. That's one. That's absurd That to be that far ahead. But then the other absurd thing, he is a nose tackle. The only the next closest pressure total for a guy who plays who has played over 100 snaps at nose tackle this year. Not even a guy who's just at nose tackle. And Jack Lawrence is just a nose tackle in that Giants defense for the most part. 15 pressures. Andrew Billings for the Chicago Bears has 15 pressures. That is the second best figure from a nose tackle in the NFL. He has three times the pressures of the next best nose tackle. If they could put any edge rushing talent around this dude, my God. Kayvon Thibodeau, how are you not just racking up sacks with this dude at the nose? He's been insane. Dexter Lawrence has been as good a nose tackle as, you know, I started PFF 2012, started watching tape that season, grading tape, or excuse me, grading tape the next season, 2013. I've never seen a more impactful nose tackle than him in that time span, 10 years, decade. But number one, I have to go with Max Crosby, the Raiders defensive end. Not only because of just like how high a level of football he's playing, but it's because he simply does not come off the football field. And I think that should factor more into these awards is how much you've actually played. Like I hated when, what was the year that Rodgers missed a few games and they still gave him the MVP. I think if you miss like three or four games, you're immediately out of the MVP category. That's three games you don't make an impact. And the same for like Depoy, Opoy. If you're missing that much time being a 60 to 70% part-time player along the defensive line, I don't see how you can win this award. Max Crosby right now has 67 more snaps than any other defensive lineman in the NFL. I think he, I believe this past weekend he played every single snap of the game. 594 snaps in the season. <laughs> he is on pace. I mean, so the Patriots used to do this with Chandler Jones, but Chandler Jones was not this effective like when you play that much it usually makes you far less effective versus run versus pass you just get tired you can't be 100 every time you're out there max crosby somehow is 
53 pressures leads the NFL. 32 stops leads the NFL for defensive linemen. You watch the game at every single play you have to account for. I don't think there's anyone else in the NFL that really takes it to that level right now where it's run or pass. They will win their one-on-one. Max Crosby right now is, is that guy. So it's tight. Again, it's kind of a pick your poison. What do you value more? Well, value the guy that's there every single play of every single game. And that's Max Crosby right now. I know it's a defensive rookie of the year. Right after I say that, I'm going to defensive rookie of the year, and I'm going to pick the guy at the top who's only played 251 snaps this season. So I just said, Max Crosby's played 594. Jalen Carter has only played 251. Obviously, with that Eagles defensive line, you have this insane uh, ability to just rotate guys in and out. You don't need – you keep guys fresh as can be because the guy coming in is pretty darn good as well. So they have that luxury. But at 251 snaps, he has 29 pressures. Second highest PFF grade among DTs, which again, that's helped out by the fact that he's fresh every snap. It's harder to be effective because PFF grades are kind of like a per per play efficiency. Like they're they're kind of both. <laughs> it was one of like the things when we changed them back in 2016 when we had those conversations. It's kind of like it's an efficiency figure. It's how good you are on a per play. But then the more you plays you do play, the higher you can actually climb up those ratings. So it's a weird, it's weird. I'll just say that. It's kind of a black box, I know. But Jalen Carter, second highest PFF grade because he's not playing a full workload. But when he is out there, man, he's been damn, damn good. Then the two guys after him. At some point, if Devon Witherspoon, who I have ranked second on the defensive rookie of the year list, at some point, if like this trend continues, Carter finishes the season like 500 snaps, Witherspoon finishes like 1,100 and keeps playing at this level, I can be swayed. I can be swayed towards Devon Witherspoon. 18 of 39 targets this year, 171 yards, one pick, six PBUs. Everything and more that you thought he was going to be coming out of Illinois. I said last year coming out, I'm like, this guy's tape is off the charts. I could not square it with the fact that his tape was never off the charts before that, but it was just so good that I could not see, I just, I didn't know how it failed. Right, I, I don't know how you go from what he was to going to the NFL and not being good, even if maybe the traits weren't, you know, size, length, wasn't where you wanted it to be. Tape prior to senior wasn't what you wanted it to be. Didn't matter. That tape was out of this world last year at Illinois. One of the best statistical college seasons I've ever, you know, that we ever graded at PFF. And it's translated right out the gate. Devin Lewis awesome, awesome, awesome player for that defense. Brian Branch, I have third on this list. Those three are already just dudes. Branch, Weatherspoon, some of the best, two of the best slot corners in the NFL right now. Brian Branch, 17 snaps, stops. That's fourth among all corners this year. Only 133 yards on 24 targets. That's 5.5 yards per target. That's a good figure, I'd say. Really impactful on that Lions defense. So those are your three D-Roy award contenders shall we say that's probably the best way to put it award contenders but yeah right now john carter's just a fan he's, he's dt's rookie dt's aren't supposed to look like that they just quite flat out are not we'll get to the coach and exec of the year here in just a second but first score early this nfl season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet 
That is 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, on to the last two awards here. Coach of the Year, then Executive of the Year. We'll start with Coach of the Year, where I really hate these awards because they almost always, they, they never go to the guy who's, you know, they don't go to Andy Reid at this point anymore. They don't go to the Bill Belichick's the world at this point anymore. Once you're good, you stop almost being a contender for the award, which doesn't really make sense to me. It's like, he's still a good head coach, right? You know, that's why they're, still winning right so that always is tough but that's why i think this year the coach of the year is john harbaugh that coach of the baltimore ravens they are seven and two they have almost doubled the point totals of their opponents they have a plus 115 point differential next closest team in the nfl is 80 points and that's the bills who to have a plus 80 points point differential at five and four is absurd to me but this Ravens team is a house. Has three of the, we talked about this on yesterday's pod. Three of the most impressive wins in the NFL this season. That's I, and the way he has coordinated, you know, put the staff together, put this team in a position to win. I just like they are week in and week out a house to deal with, and I think that's not going to change anytime soon. May very well end up with the best record in the NFL this season. We'll see. AFC North. It's going to be a dogfight. It's tough, tough division. Probably tough division in the NFL right now. And after him, I have Mike Tomlin, second. And now I think he deserves some blame for their offensive woes, right? You had the opportunity to move on from a failing offensive coordinator a year ago. Did not. That kind of can fall. That to me falls on the head coach's shoulders to some degree. But to still be five and three after getting outgained in every single game this season is a coaching masterclass. It truly is. So he deserves that. Would be hard pressed to see this continuing, though. I'll say, I, I just don't think it will. I, I, it's impossible to. It's like they. I know that they every year they go five hundred above, but it's possible to continue five and three, extrapolate that out, ten plus wins with this team. I just man, that would be wild. Be wild. After that. Number three, I didn't have a great strong take on who should be number three. I think Mike McDaniel deserves some love. I think Dan Campbell deserves some love, even if it's just for vibes alone for the two of those guys. But no, I think what they've done, McDaniel with obviously schematically leading what the Dolphins do, and then Campbell with just like the leadership. That team feels like a different Lions team. They feel confident as opposed to, you know, what – Probably the Lions should feel from their history of uh, just the franchise, shall we say. So all those guys deserve love. But to me, John Harbaugh, probably coach of the year right now, if I had to pick. Exec of the year, I believe talked about this on the show before. Talked about Actually, no, we talked about GMs that we would take. But I also think there's a good crossover in executive of the year, just in terms of who's performing right now. Howie Roseman won it last year. I think he probably still deserves to be in the mix. I would go, though. I'd go Brad Holmes right now. Detroit Lions GM. i go Brad Holmes, Howie, Eric DaCosta, the Baltimore Ravens GM. That would be my top three. Because Brad Holmes, the 
burner of a draft track record he has since he was hired as GM in 2021. Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Branch, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Amon Ross St. Brown, Aline McNeil, Kirby Joseph. That is eight plus starters at minimum. Some of those guys, elite starters, some of those guys, high end starters, eight guys in three years you drafted. And that's not even counting like Jameson Williams, Jack Campbell, who you're hoping to get there. But eight guys in three years. That's his draft. And that's his entire tenure to build this team now that's leading the NFC North, going to win the NFC North, more likely than not. That's, oof. Oh, you know who deserves Coach of the Year love that I kind of just jogged my mind that I'm sorry I didn't even? Kevin O'Connell, man. Kevin O'Connell, what he's done with the Minnesota Vikings, what they, that, he deserves more. Okay, sorry. Back to executive year. Brad Holmes, though. That track record right there is just deserve it of the award. Truly is. Howie Roseman, we don't have to discuss Howie Roseman too much, but Eric DaCosta, the... Not only just like his draft picks of late, whether it's, you know, Adafi Owe, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Lindebaum, all playing at elite level, but then the GM Clowney signing, the Roquan Smith trade, which was somewhat under the radar last year. Now he's one of the best, uh, you know, best linebacker duo in the NFL right now. Really the only real whiff on his kind of track where the OBJ signing doesn't look great. But if you do that thing where you say, hey, if he gave the OBJ money to Clowney, and then the clowny money to OBJ, which obviously you can't do, but it's like the draft thing where it's like, hey, if you pick this guy in the third instead of this guy, and then the third rounder in the first, it would look a lot better. Well, it would look a lot better if they did that. Because this team's, again, a house. Ravens are a house. I'll keep saying it until they stop being a house. But there you have it. There are your award winners at the midseason poll, in my eyes. Hate it. Love it. You guys let me know. We'll be back tomorrow ranking the best draft classes throughout the 2023 season so far. So who had the best draft hauls? Always excited to dive into those. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's Renner Ranks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.